Bigger than cakes. Give me some more silence. Welcome to Bigger Than Capes. I'm Zach, and this week I'm joined by Will. What's shaking? Howdy. <laughs> What's shaking? All of me. All of me shaking like a cold leaf, because the energy prices are through the roof, and I'm making this political now. I didn't expect any of that, but... <laughs> I didn't either. It really came pouring out. Here we are. Um, I mean, it is cold, I'll give you that, and uh, I am poor, so... <laughs> Power to the people, or something. Um, speaking of being poor and cold, mm. why not support us through our coffee? <laughs> why not support us through our coffee page? And be sure to check out our website, biggerthancapes.com, for all those reviews Angela writes, and sometimes the rest of us. Cha-ching. Um, not the smoothest way of doing that, but the first time I've remembered to plug it in weeks. Yeah. <laughs> it'll it'll come. It'll be smoother. Um, what have you been on oh, <laughs> <laughs> to, buddy? Um, not as much as I would like. I've kind of a couple of weeks ago decided to start like trying to catch up on things, like things I've never finished or comics and such. So I um one watched all of daybreak in like a week and then found out afterwards that that was based on a graphic novel okay. um which is kind of a post-apocalyptic thing with kind of not quite zombies and such uh really really good i would recommend daybreak um, awesome i would also recommend and you obviously know this but uh, i discovered that i'd only watched half of preacher oh so I've now finished season three and I'm halfway through season four. And while well, Preacher's good, isn't it? It is good. It is good. I was really happy that it didn't follow the comic specifically because I'm yes. I really, really like the original uh, graphic novels. Um, but it would have been kind of lame just to see that played out again on screen. Yeah. And it, I mean, it deviates quite quickly, like season one just i mean doesn't really happen in the comics does it it's... no <laughs> well it kind of happens right at the end like the, that that town yes um, and the kind of um i can't remember what his character's called but like the king of meat <laughs> oh god yeah um they don't mention him after season one so i honestly can't remember but yeah because the, the town explodes don't it? but yeah that that sort of happens at the end of the comics but you know, I like that's kind of artistic license. It made it worthwhile. Uh, well, all the characters felt like they broke, so they were recognisable as sort of Definitely. who they were supposed to be. But yeah, it took a few different directions with it. I think it's a, it's a lot of the same stuff, just rearranged, which kind of works. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a it's a completely insane story, regardless of what order you put the events in. I Absolutely. Think. Um. But I'm close to finishing it. I'm looking forward to finishing it. And it kind of makes me want to reread the comic. But I also know it's pretty long. And and I feel like the comic is definitely 
more over the top than the series. It's funny. In some ways it is, and in some ways it isn't. Like there are whole chunks taken out. Um, but if you remember the sort of, it's got Jesus Desaad. Yes. Which does, just doesn't really happen in the show. Um, and uh, it's a bit where they kind of meet a serial killer. <laughs> that doesn't really happen in the show. Um, and the sort of like, I don't want to say too much because I know you haven't finished it. So I stopped, stopped showing my tracks there of my, my thought. We can there, revisit this when I finish if you want. Yeah, yeah. There are <laughs> bits of it though, like Hairstar, I think, is a better character in the TV show than he is in the comics. He's more involved and like and multi-layered. more likable. Uh, sort of likable in a, yeah. in a truly bizarre way. Have you seen the bit where he's gone through his training? It like flashes back to him. Yes. I can't remember when that is, but yes, I have. It's just a bit where like they're supposed to, I think like supposed to disarm each other and he just starts like masturbating at this guy. Yeah. And the guy yeah. loses concentration and he like, he like tackles him down and it's. I mean, it's a, it's a choice. It's, <laughs> it's really weird, but I, I found it very funny. <laughs> what a weird show. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's it, man. You don't see it every day. You want different, you want new. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> that's what it is. I, I think when I finish Preacher, I might take a, a little break before finally catching up on the boys because I started series two and then just never finished. So mm-hmm. apparently I just have a tendency of doing that with anything on Amazon Prime. I'll like watch an episode and be like, ah, I'll come back to this. Yeah. Well, I've still got the expanse to finish one season. Oh, it's good. That. I'm, I'm really looking forward <laughs> to that because. I think, was it the fourth series? Was that the first Amazon Prime one? I think so, yeah. Where they land on that planet for a bit. I thought that one was a bit weak, but everything else has been has been pretty stellar. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think four was a bit hit and miss. I think there's still good things in it. But... It just kind of trod water a little bit. It narrowed the story down a lot from the you know galactic level to... Yes, uh, I think that's fair. Level. Um. I I like the boys quite a lot. Again, I think the same thing really is that it's got the DNA, but it has taken its own quite, weird quite, approach. Yeah, quite different choices. I've watched a few episodes of Diabolical. I had forgotten that was a thing. The yes. boys um, animated thing, and it's it's kind of hit and miss. Um, okay. Like there are different writers and different animation styles, and some of them have worked for me, and some not so much. All right, that's interesting. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'll get there at some point in the next, like... <laughs> billion years. <laughs> the next, like, one to five years. Um, but it's been nice to actually try and catch up on some stuff. And most of it's been good, so that's nice. Absolutely. Um, I'm also trying to learn to stop watching and reading things that I don't like. Indeed. It's a tough lesson, and I, too, am trying to master that art i think we both have the kind of completionist nature about us that we have to know everything watch everything finish everything yeah it's the kind of um the reliance on continuity that's kind of bred into that it's actually important yeah um Um, and well and we're probably going to come to the same conclusion that it isn't uh yeah very very, yeah (laughs) (laughs) um a great case in point is i also watched all of Afterlife, like, 
two weeks ago. And boy, do I hate Afterlife. So. <laughs> <laughs> just read it, watched it all anyway. <laughs> it was, there's not that much of it. It was easy to do. But with every episode, it was just a kind of, oh, all right, I guess. To be fair, I, I think I played Tetris whilst watching all of it, which. It sounds like some something to be done in the 80s. Yeah. I watched some TV and I played some Tetris, man. <laughs> Wizard. Uh, I've, I've had a few good reads recently. Um, I've been, I too have been catching up a little bit. Um, I reread the first volume of Wasted Space and then the second volume for the first time. And I've got the third volume ready to go. I've been intending to do that for so long. It's good, though. I think I, um, I absolutely loved the first volume and was always like, I'm going to carry on with this. And well, here we are. I think the art is not my kind of favorite style. Um, yes. I think in its presentation, in terms of like what's happening in the panel, I think it's really good. Mm. like the way it makes the ship move and, and that sort of thing but the actual line work is a bit kind of scratchy for my just my personal taste yeah i think but, it's it, it's an art style that i like but it's one that's very kind of stylized and it is yeah and i think you kind of you're into it or you're not it's not it's not really a a, a judgment like thing for me it's just yeah not not for me that one but the characters and the story is great. And as I say, it's never unclear in the art. Like I'm not having a hard time reading it. Mm. Um, it's probably what would kind of keep it overall off being like a bit of an all timer for me, but the actual sort of reading experience is real fun. Um, I've been continuing to catch up on atomic robo. Which um, I feel like we mentioned in the last podcast. Probably. Or did we I've just got, have, have we just talked about that in 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 life, like real I life? We, I think we did talk about it fairly recently. Um, but yeah, it's great. It's one of my favourite. Like, well, I think it's now published in paper by Dark Horse, but was self-published originally. Um, I mean, so I'm I, inclined to agree with that, but I honestly can't remember if that's true. I am. I'm reaching into the memory somewhere. I think it's Dark Horse. Um, but it's great. It's about like Tesla creates a, a sentient robot in kind of the 30s or the late 20s. Mm-hmm. And then from that point, you follow Atomic Robo, like you jump through time, um, not literally like time travel, but I mean, you pick up different points in the 90s, in the 50s. Although it jumps back and forth, like he does, it's a really good job of keeping robo consistent like in the 20s he acts like a teenager like he's a goof when you get to the 90s he's like a like a dad <laughs> he becomes all all serious pretty cool um and they set up stories that it's not like a continuous story each volume is relatively self-contained mm. but there are things set up in previous volumes that emerge later on that um after dissing continuity, I should say, like it is, it is fun over a short period of time when the payoff actually, you know, is uh, is enjoyable. Um, so that's really good. I'd recommend that to basically anybody who likes comics. I think it's top tier. Um, and I dipped my toe into some Euro comics recently and picked up Yo Jimbot. Oh yeah, you also told me about this. I've read the first volume so far, or the first part, as uh, European comics have come in and smaller or bigger, depending how you like. Is it 
is it the equivalent of one issue and it's a really thick issue or is it the equivalent of a trade and it's a really thin trade? I'm inclined to say the latter, but I feel like in reality it's somewhere in the middle of the two. Um, so I think they're like 50, 60 pages. Yeah, and it's normally the... It's it's a really minimal team that works on it. So it's normally like two creators, if not one creator, which then means you kind of get a volume when it's finished rather than the 30 days to work on that next issue. Or So I, I think it's more in like the graphic novel trade kind of territory than it is in the singles. But I prefer that. Um, I mean, we've been waiting a long time for more Black Sad, but it's coming. and it's This is the year. Surely going to be glorious. Um, but it seems to be about a like a deserted theme park. So these robots just kind of wander around playing out fights scenarios for no one. Um, but then there's also like a little boy and some sort of fascist police who seem to be after the boy. And the robot uh, sort of seems to gain some modicum of sentience and save the boy. Okay. Thus their adventures continue. It looks incredible. Like in that sort of, as you say, if it's a small team, and they just work until it's right rather than just put out when it's due. This is the end result. It, every every page and every panel looks superb. I mean, I'll be honest, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, another one to, another one worth looking out for. Okay, definitely. I think I will, definitely. I assume you've purchased this on Comixology before the <coughs> change. Before the change, yeah. Um, it kept, you know, when reminders come up on your various devices, and like most human beings, you say, Not now. Yes. Wait the three days for it to pop up again. And finally, the Comic Solitary one came up saying, What would you rate this out of five stars? And I thought, Okay, now I'm going to listen to you. One star, submit. <laughs> if you're going to keep asking, I'm going to give I, you the honest answer. I think the app works better than the website does. The website stresses me out yeah. um and it's... i i thought comiXology was a really good resource the fact that you could that it would tell you things like genre and release day and um things that were helpful for you know running a comics podcast say mm. yeah and, and kind of taking out that by making it fit the amazon format so now it doesn't tell me when it's meant to be released or when it will be released. I can't seemingly can't search by release date anymore. It's weird. They like comics don't come out like films or like albums or even like prose novels. You know, they, they come out much more frequently Mm. normally on the same day. (laughs) And yeah, you've, they've taken a, like a perfect template and decided to, do something different instead. I I hope kind of the user responses listened to and we kind of get as a hybrid of what we've got now and what we used to have. But yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got it. Unfortunately, there isn't really a lot of competition. Like, there isn't another yes. digital platform where you can get such a breadth of comics. Um, even most of the publishers have withdrawn their like digital sales. That's true. I I know we have uh, the Comics House app, which does 
does a good job, but it all tends to be stuff that is far more indie than comicsology. So there's a lot of uh, T-Pub and Comics House, obviously it's their app, <laughs> um, and kind of local UK small publishers, which is a, is a really good thing, but good thing. for those more mainstream things. It's just the, the, the length and breadth that was that was available. I mean, it's still available, but it's just really Awkward now. irritating to, yeah, to get to. And I'm sure you live in the... Uh, we, we've both got iPads, so I'm sure you live in the fun world of not being allowed to buy things through the... <laughs> through the app itself. Through the app. So you still have to go to the website to buy things because yeah. Apple and Amazon can't get along. I mean, if it makes you feel any better, that is true on Android as well. You just you, you can oh, is it? buy things through the app. It always just directed you back to the website. Okay, I thought that was just an Apple problem. <laughs> no, unfortunately, that wasn't just a comic knowledge problem. So it wasn't perfect. Thank you, Amazon, for fixing that oversight <laughs> by burning the building down. Burn it down. Burn it all. Um, <laughs> So, should we change gears and talk about what we're here to talk about? Absolutely. We're 20 minutes into the episode. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do this. So, this week, we're here to talk about Frontiersman Volume 1 from Image. Uh, it's got words by Patrick Kindlin. It's got art by Marco Ferrari. It's got letters by Jim Campbell. And it's edited by James Heppelwhite. Frontiersman follows the story of a retired vigilante superhero by the name of Frontiersman. Um, after giving up the superhero life, he's gone to live off the grid in the woods. Um, and so one day he comes f- home to find Deontay in his living room, a university student who wants the Frontiersman to be the kind of face of a protest to stop some Pacific redwood trees from being cut down, presumably quite close to where where he, he lives in the woods. That's not really dealt with. Don't worry about it. Um, which then, that's that's kind of the, the entire first issue. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of used then as the anchor to <clears throat> then kind of slowly introduce this world that revolves around yes. frontiers. I've got to be honest, when I was reading it, it became frontiersman pretty quickly for me. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I got that. Very much softened the A. Um, but yeah, like that's the that's the core premise. He's up a tree trying to save it from being cut down. And shit happens. Yeah, kind of because <laughs> because he's, just, he's an ex-superhero advertising his, you know, current location. Um old friends and old villains start to, you know, rear their heads to do battle. And you've obviously got the, um, the corporate, the corporate greedy guys in the background wanting to cut down the trees. Who I think are Simos and Reggie. Very nice. I'm not sure even what that is. Um, I, I could be totally wrong. I tried my best to make notes of everyone's names as they're said, but this is incredibly heavy on characters. The ones I made note of that appear, I've got, uh, I've got at least fifteen that appear and are named, and that's not including the amount of characters 
that are referenced mm-hmm. as if they will or could appear. So there's characters like um, Firen is mentioned multiple yeah. times. Yeah. But we never see them. Um, the bold travelers as a group are mentioned frequently, mm-hmm. but we don't really see. Yes, um, and then we have stuff like Barhos. I think he's mentioned the in the first issue. The guy who kind of does mind control and uh, Derida is mentioned. One of his robots is strolling around at the start of issue one. It's yeah. and that's before we get to like the characters you see. <laughs> so there's tons and tons of detail and it kind of reminds me of and I, I think this is mentioned in Patrick Kindlin's like um afterwards in the singles that uh Astro City and Black Hammer are kind of inspirations towards this. And I think that kind of unnecessary almost amount of detail where you're being told about people you don't even see and you're being told everything all the time as if ah you, you know firing you know of the bold tra- of bold travelers fame um it's kind of information is presented to you constantly to say hey there's gonna be this big world and i think this kind of nails the establishing idea that the frontiersman is an yeah i've started calling him frontiersman as well um <laughs> is a kind of intro point to this big superhero world okay. um i guess much in the way that you know invincible is yeah. an entry point to a wealth of superheroes or yeah the black hammer farm is an intro to yeah. this massive world or Astro City is different because we kind of immediately start getting loads of different angles on it. But I think this quite early on establishes itself as a superhero universe from one specific angle. And all the flashbacks we see kind of really inform both Ethan, the Frontiersman's character, and also show kind of where all this is coming from. And it's pretty rad. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to agree with you right there that it is pretty rad. Uh, I've enjoyed this book a lot. Um, I agree with you. I like the casual way it kind of throws its universe around. And it it's not even as so, in such a way that it expects you to keep up. Like, as you mentioned, Fyron is mentioned a few times. So it's not like I've mentioned him in issue one wait till we get to issue 20 (laughs) like you you get in the context for it that this is an important person this is somebody who's going to haven't like they don't even necessarily need to show up but there's going to be something about them which is a clearly important the characters that you do meet all seem like really interesting and in the kind of black hammer astro city sense they are homages to like classic superhero style characters but also in the best in in the best kind of alt superhero universe it is taking that concept and pushing it one bit further um yeah yeah you might have to help me with the name there or here he is trefoil yes is Uh, kind of i think it was originally called valor we're told and it's 
kind of the Captain America if things went very differently. Yeah, and I think I I really like the sort of subtle changes to this Captain America-esque character where he sort of says it himself that he, um, in a bit of a kind of sense of Jenny Sparks, is a reflection of America. So in the modern day, he is brutal and he is mean <laughs> because that's the... Yeah, you know, that's the kind of modern America as where during the war he was um, valiant and he was brave and he was that kind of classic Steve Rogers archetype. Um, and I think that's a cool little addition, although it's, you know, it, it doesn't go into it in a lot of depth and I don't think it needs to. It's just kind of a this is the characters, you know, the the, the broad strokes of them. Yeah. And it, and I th- here's my little idea. And I think that really works. I think the fact that we're kind of presented with a character given a sense of who they are now and where they come from, but then there's kind of each issue ends with kind of character profiles for whoever's appeared. So in that issue, it's not particularly of Trefoil, but of him when he was Valor. So you kind of told, here's all the stuff you didn't get told this issue that we're still telling you after the fight, because now if we write a prequel comic that's got Valor in it, you'll be like, man, Valor's going to go off the rails. <laughs> yeah, I really liked um, like most of the back matter in this, both the, um, I read in singles, so I kind of got the beginnings yeah. of a letter page, or slight, like sometimes a letter page and something's just a musing page. <laughs> Yeah, and I, I think the kind of afterward stuff is really informative. Like, I know there's one where he talks about uh, Green Arrow, mm-hmm. which, I mean, is a clear influence on the kind of uh, Frontiersman character where Eco he's... a warrior Yeah. Pol- quite woke. Yes, but in a kind of out-of-date fashion, which I guess... The, the kind of iconic 1970s Green Arrow, Green Lantern run where they're like the most right wing and the most left wing nowadays has aged and it's like, it's a good run, but there's also bits of it that are kind of like, are you sure? That was kind of on the nose where I think this deals with its politics with a great deal of like fairness in terms of exposition. Like I feel that as Frontiersman is our main character, <clears throat> I would assume the writers kind of follow a, at least a broadly similar ideal about you know, be good to your environment. Man. Yes. Which I'm on board with, but I don't think it, it doesn't just dunk on the opposite opinions that it presents. It presents them in such a way that suggests like, it's at least worth a conversation, you know, over. Definitely. And I think, I think it's in, it's in issue one where kind of, uh, Frontiersman is trying to decide if he should go up this tree and talks to professor Unicel and they kind of have a conversation where he's like, yeah, but what if they dig up something inappropriate? I said in the eighties or, (laughs) <laughs> what if yeah. I'm not the hero they want me to be? And it's like, I, th- I think there's a, a realistic kind of representation of kind of how the world is right now, where mm-hmm. 
I mean, it's rarely digging up from the 80s. Normally, it's just scrolling back on someone's Twitter for half an hour. But <laughs> <laughs> but that's it. He's a relic, and he doesn't like understand the modern world as it yeah. is. And I've got to tell you, I am so sick of optimistic teenagers getting superpowers. I need a relatable character. And this old, broken-down, confused man is my hero of the future. Does it help that if we put a kind of uh, fur hat over the top half of your face, you're yeah. very, enough, very similar looking? Not enough superheroes have massive beards. It's so I always find it so annoying when, um, in various comics, where Superman may grow a beard. And there'll always be that dumb bit where he uses the mirror to like laser beam his beard off. And the worst bit about it is, it was a rad beard. <laughs> it's an interesting one, isn't it? We yeah, we don't get a lot of we get a lot of like goatees or like yeah, you get the the Tony Stark or the Doctor Strange. And I know there's like a period where Thor is a bit more. He's a bit beardier. A bit bearded. But this isn't like a kind of unshaved thing or a kind of casual. This is a serious beard. This is a Ron Swanson in the woods kind of. Ron Swanson's a very, a very good parallel to like, uh, if you, yeah, if you just need context for the sort of person Frontiersman is. Yeah, I think, I think there's an argument to be made. It's an odd argument to be made, but it's an <laughs> just think Swanson. Um, <laughs> but I, I really like the format, and I like how it builds, <clears throat> it builds its world and its characters. Um, I think that is really helped by the character design. Definitely. Um, That's something we've not even touched on yet, but I think uh, Marco Ferrari's art is pretty on point, basically, throughout, and the character designs are, like, really interesting. And you can kind of... You can always see the influences. You can see, like, where the ideas have come from, but Mm -hmm. I think they are managed into an interesting kind of concept. I think certainly like the heroes tend to be um, pretty straightforward on marches or, I mean, not necessarily the heroes, but the um, crikey. What's her name? The, the queen of the Fae. Uh, Brunhild, right? Brian Brunhild. Brunhild, of course. Yeah. Like she's sort of uh, wonder woman ish analog. A bit Wonder Woman-y, but then with a name that's kind of... Brunhilde, sorry. Asgardian. Brunhilde. Uh, a bit Asgardian, bit Wonder Woman-y, kind of yeah. somewhere in the middle. Um, but there's kind it of works, a tr- There's a trio of, like, villains in the background. Uh, the Lance... Bear. And Regionaire. Yeah, Regionaire, and I think their designs are all three of them are absolutely rad. And and really diverse, too. I mean, the Lance is literally a woman with a Lance. It's <laughs> the most straightforward, a kind of, yeah, slightly medieval, yeah, slightly Victorian, but yeah, like with a big old Lance that fires things. And, and then Regionaire is kind of demonic, but with kind of almost eagle style wings or angel wings in a way i find it really satisfying that they grow out of his head it's <laughs> and have hands on the end <laughs> it's a real thinker it, it, you know you know what it immediately put me onto digimon oh yeah like uh, i think it's 
Devimon has got like little wings on his mask, and then Demi Devimon is just like a ball wearing the same mask, but it's just massive wings. Um, and I'm not saying that Demi Devimon was a, a touchstone here of design, but <laughs> but and then I don't think we can rule it out. Probably my favorite character design wise is Bear. <laughs> Because it's a it's almost a in, figure out and inexplicable unpack. purple slime monster that's made of like tentacles and eyes and is really abstract. It doesn't seem to have a form. But it very much reminded me of some of the stuff we see in like um, Jason Aaron's Doctor Strange run. We see mm-hmm. similar kind of monsters there. Um, but it inhabits a like giant grizzly bear <laughs> for reasons that, that when it comes out just, close to us. just sort of drags this bear around yeah. <laughs> i don't really understand what, yeah what the bear's for specifically but i thought those designs were very cool yeah i it's really interesting and really out there just i don't even know where you begin with that kind of concepts it's hard to even like figure out what to say <laughs> I think you start with the name and then just like work backwards. It's like I, I need see. a regionaire, I need a bear, and I need a lance. Now, go. <laughs> Don't care what they are. Them's the names. <laughs> Maybe. I mean, it's not beyond reason. And we see issue two, I think it is. We see Galaxy Prime, mm-hmm. who is basically a sentient galaxy. In Yeah, a sort of Dr. Manhattan-esque. Or... Yes kind of concept captain universe something or other that has one of my favorite pages though from all of this volume where frontiersman's trying to fight him and keeps just swinging with the like um staff wolf wolf thing club is a better word than staff keeps swinging and swinging and galaxy just kind of doesn't have a fixed form, so basically keeps just shifting out of the way. That's good stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the com- kind of putting that together is just a page of I'm trying to beat you up with a club and you keep splitting in half around it while they're also having a conversation. Um, and I-, I just think stuff like if you'd stop using magic, physics is (laughs) (laughs) it works really well i think every fight scene we see kind of informs the villain as well and galaxy uh trefoil um regionaire lance bear they kind of all bring their own thing it never feels the same kind of interaction i think they all have they're all hunting down frontiersmen for their own reasons they all bring their own point of view to to it and i think it kind of opens the door on well i want to know more about galaxy and i want to know more about lance and it's like i i I guess this has to do the same thing that astro city or black hammer doing those first volumes which is you know try to find something that you want more of and yeah, all of this kind of. Yeah, I think it packs so much in, but I never felt bogged down in kind of exposition. I think it's really 
quite artfully done in the way it, it unfolds this world. And as I say, some of it is homage and maybe pastiche and maybe, you know, familiar enough that you don't need that much explaining. But I think that the the choices on like Frontiersman himself, we've not I mean we've, you know, said he's a sort of grumpy old man, but he seems like quite a complicated character as well. He has a daughter um who obviously like he wants to impress but she's yeah. much more part of the modern world than he is and like understands you know where it kind of how this is going to reflect in a modern lens more than he does and i think that's a really interesting dynamic like he's the hero but he doesn't know best he is out of his depth yeah i i think the daughter who we only really see in the last issue of this like issue five i think maybe a little bit in issue four um kind of helps gives context to frontiersman because we kind of through that learn that you know he obviously had a family at some point and um kind of ties him back into reality a little bit more because it would be easy for him to be at the top of a tree fighting super villains and not really interact with the real world um but i think the the characters of uh, his daughter Eve, Deontay, the university student, and his friend Claire, who works at the like town organic supermarket store. Yeah. Supermarket store. I didn't need to say the word store there. Kind of anchor him to being a real person and not just retired superhero. And I think that's something we get. I think a, a lot of stories that are like the retired superhero comes out of retirement for reasons can often be kind of like this person's done nothing since they retired from being a superhero. Yeah. Sat in a dark cave and waited for their moment to reemerge. Whereas this kind of tells us that. From been a person in the, I don't know, decade off. Yeah. I think that's uh, I think that's absolutely bang on, like in terms of the the characterization. Um, I got quite a strong um, like manga influence in a lot of the art. Yeah, um, it isn't like manga, but but I, there's I definitely like the DNA of it there in the concepts, like the way that movement is dealt with and the way that like impacts are dealt with in fight scenes are very. Yes. Reminiscent of how like speed lines are done more in manga than they are in sort of American comics. Mm, I think, you know, like features are quite, it's, it's not unrealistically drawn, but things are quite exaggerated. People have very big eyes and. Yeah. And the scenes we get with Frontiersman's mask, where it's just, his eyes are just shadows with little tiny reflections of light which really feels kind of manga anime-esque that kind of like the way we see the example I'm going to go with is Full Metal Alchemist where you get the kind of minimalist versions of the characters in the backgrounds I think that's a similar kind of vibe you get when you see him with his tiny little eyes that are just hidden in shadows despite being made armor has like facial expressions yes yeah Yeah. (laughs) it really works though I think Agreed. I, I do think the manga kind of influence creeps in. Obviously, we've referenced Digimon, which I guess the anime is that is more <laughs> than manga. 
I assume there's Digimon manga, Digimanga, I don't know. Um, but also then Lance having a Lance that is like almost twice her height or something is in keeping with that kind of manga giant weapons trope. Definitely, yeah. Just, yeah, being twice the size of the person wielding it. And I mean, I think her, her kind of whole costume has a kind of manga thing going yeah. on with sort of very high... Like thigh high boots, yeah, and then kind of body armor, but not everywhere. And of course, <laughs> yeah, there's just, it's the kind of character design that you would see in One Punch Man and not Bat and Isle of yeah. And I, but I think it's knowing, I don't think it is, um, like trying to be exploitative or like no, when, I, this, when this book wants to be sexy. It just does it. It doesn't like try and hide it behind yes. thinly veiled costumes. <laughs> like, is, I think that's issue four, where it's like issue four into five, which I was reading on the train. <laughs> was a, which was a moment when you turn that page. And you best think, place gonna, for full page nudity. Yeah, I'm just going to style this out. <laughs> um, it is something kind of superhero sex, which is a sentence that we don't get to say enough is something that's kind of tiptoed around in, you know, mainstream comics. It's a funny thing, isn't it? Is that they will never, they'll never actually show anything graphic, but most female superheroes are effectively naked and just kind of painted a color. Frequently, at least, (laughs) at least frequently in the past. It's been, I think it's, it's getting better. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Given credit where it's due, like I think there have been have been improvements in that regard. But um, Spider Woman's gone back to her old costume, hasn't she? She has, and I, despite having a rad new costume, yeah, really likes the kind of leather jacket, sunglasses outfit. It, mm-hmm. It's just pretty cool. Yeah, boo boo. <laughs> so it's also a really good Spider Woman run. I don't know. It is. We read I'm it. Pretty, I'm pretty sure I've made you read it. I we read it for the club um, years oh, yeah. ago now, but yeah, it was uh, religiously forced it on everybody for like <laughs> way back when, however many years it was running. <laughs> um, alongside the other kind of back matter in the back of this book, um, they talk about their approach compared to a kind of, I mean, they they sort of call it out, don't they? Like a, a big two approach. Yeah. They want to be able to achieve that sort of meta-narrative interwoven universe thing, but they sort of set out their manifesto of how they think they're going to do it better. Yeah. And, I mean, based on these five issues, yeah, fair enough. (laughs) I think it it kind of hits that. I I really... Like, reading issue one of this was quite confident you would be into it. <laughs> Not to say that we're predictable as as a group, but the, there's certain things that I recognise as kind of beard. will traits within a book. There's the bit, the bit helps. Um, but I was kind of, in, in the nicest possible way, didn't have much of an expectation for this. I... 
I think there's been a lot of superhero indie comics recently that haven't really clicked with me. I wasn't overly into Radiant Black and it's different, but all of the focus on Spawn haven't really spoken to me. Um, I'm sure there are others, but I feel like, so I feel like my expectations were minimized with this Mm -hmm. when it really delivers on what it says it's going to do, which is kind of, well, just kind of good in it. Yeah, absolutely. I think it just, it rides a really nice balance between being um, quite like light and humorous in parts and the conversation that he has with the old like Professor Unicell, who's now like a retired um, university, yes. prote- well, no, he's not retired. He's a university p- professor. He's retired from being a superhero um it's quite like a, a sort of sweet conversation between old friends and i think it, it hits those emotional beats as well but the action looks and feels good it feels like impactful and it feels mm. like particularly his fight with trefoil um feels like if he loses this you know frontiersman dies and despite the fact that was very unlikely it's um it just, I don't know, it felt it felt like the stakes were there. Despite it not being a, like a very grim book, it doesn't have to go into those places to make you feel like the events are important. Yeah, I agree. I think there is a believable amount of kind of threat to this. I think there were chances that he wasn't going to survive the volume. Um, I, I mean, you know, We've seen similar things in comics recently, and there's there was every chance he wasn't going to make it, and this would be the origin story of I don't know how Deontay became the next frontier man, <laughs> frontier boy. Um, or you know, it's yeah, no, you're it's, right. It's not outside of the possibilities. It's it, it's interesting that yeah, the the threat level seems real and. He takes a beating. <laughs> he does. Um, which, I, I, again, is something that, I mean, we we do see kind of retired heroes come back and take a beating and out, aren't who they used to be. But I feel like Frontiersman takes that to a next level where it's like, I'm being blown up. I'm being stabbed. I'm being shot at. I'm... <laughs> And it, it's not um, it's not very specific at all on what his powers may or may not be. Um, he seems, you know, relatively strong and um, able to withstand, you know, the stabbings and explosions as for Yeah, I, I wasn't even sure for the, for the most part. I'm not even sure if he has powers or if he's just tough. Just got comic powers. Just like, yeah, just, you know. The powers of a protagonist. Woodsman tough. He... <laughs> Is it outdoorsy type? He t- he's yeah, used to getting it. stabbed all the time. I don't stabbed and blown up by stuff. I'm not an outdoorsy type. I don't know what kind of powers come with that. I... <laughs> Strikes me as someone who walks for fun. Don't take. I can't relate. Um, I don't know. I, I guess that's the question. Are the powers? Is he just a? Son of a bitch is maybe maybe he is. I mean, fair play either way, I suppose. Um, but I don't know. I think 
five issues do a really good job of selling frontiersman as a character but also kind of selling you on the potential his universe has um which is is really interesting to me i think as we've said we've, we've we're both fans of black hammer we're both fans of um astro city but they kind of immediately give you the universe and then draw you in with kind of hey you know we're doing a spin-off i think this yep. this almost feels like the spin-off and yeah yeah like frontiersman's the spin-off of a larger a larger universe yeah for sure i hadn't thought of that but which kind of you know it it works it's got me curious as to where patrick kindlin and marco ferrari are going to go with this there's mm-hmm. it feels like there's lots of potential to kind of explore and i hope that they do that exploration i mean it's it does say in the back of the trade that we're gonna get antioch antioch anti yeah that word i can't say that word clearly um with the tagline of conqueror to convict which will apparently be where frontiersman's story continues so we are getting more, and it is a different thing. So that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I, I wouldn't... I think there's still quite a lot I'm interested in learning about Frontiersman and his daughter and Claire. Who, Claire, yeah. I mean, I'm not sure I totally caught what their relationship was, but whether it's just sort of friend or potentially like ex-partner or something. But again, I, I liked her... As a character, I liked her inclusion, and I'd like to see a bit more about that kind of domestic life of Frontiersman while he continues to kind of bumble through modern society and kick ass. Definitely. I think there's a lot of potential for his story as well as the the story of this world. Um, I guess it depends if we're going to see kind of individual characters in kind of single volumes and how they all knit together that's quite cool um if we're going to get something that is more centered around the world that's kind of cool i hope we avoid having a frontiersman uh companion guide like that invincible guide yeah (laughs) invincible universe guide also that that was uh, a lesson in the mistake in moving away from your brand name as they released um Guardians of the Globe, their team book. Mm. And then after two, I think probably unpurchased volumes, uh, it came back as Invincible Universe. <laughs> yeah, which felt like a, an eager kind of, please, please acknowledge this. I, I quite liked all of those, to be honest. There were some cool like background characters in that um, that I don't think got, got quite as much page time as I would have liked. But mm. um, I don't think anybody else read them, so it's <laughs> those things. <laughs> I mean, I think you could be right, but who knows? I'm I'm curious to see where this will go. I think there's some very strong alternative superhero stuff going on these days with, as we've mentioned, Black Hammer and Astro City is set to make a comeback pretty soon through Image. Um We've got stuff like crossover, which is kind of 
-hmm. an alternative superhero universe. Uh, We've obviously got the Spawn universe, which we all talk about frequently and enjoy. Um, (laughs) So I'm, I'm curious as to what position this, the the frontiers verse can occupy within kind of indie comics. And I hope people check this out because I think this is a really good read. Definitely. I think this has come in um, quite high in that kind of alt superhero, that modern sort of alt superhero thing is immediately sort of rung a bell for me this. And I think, yeah, a bit like uh, Dragonfly and Dragonfly Man, Wrong Earth kind of yes. vibe. Like it just felt like the the ideas feel so perfectly formed at the moment that yeah, just just up for seeing it evolve. Definitely, and I I mean it's one of our things that we're kind of relentlessly into. I think is the the all alternative superhero world. So I'm kind of hoping that the next volume Antioch 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 it <laughs> <laughs> is as good and we're here in five months doing a podcast about that that'd be ace yeah we'd look forward to that um I'm not sure I've got much else to add I think we, we've got that kind of unending praise section yeah. of the podcast down we both <laughs> ended up on very much the same page so there's nothing to argue about no, not much of a dispute to be had. Um, I guess I guess the takeaway message here is, hey, go read Frontiersman Volume 1. Yeah, comes with a high recommendation from, uh, um, well, from us, these, this pair of idiots. And as I've said, I didn't go into this thinking, hey, this is going to be my favourite comic of the new year or whatever, but it is. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, I mean... I don't know, as far as series that have had a trade out this year so far, I think this is this is up there as a first trade. Definitely. I mean, uh, yeah, it's, it's really hit the ground running for me. And I think um, since doing the podcast and stuff and the website, so we both read, I think, a lot more. I mean, you, you used to work in the shop, didn't you? So you've probably worked get... in a comic book shop. <laughs> That's true. Now, now at least it's your own. So uh, you can choose what you get in. <laughs> Um, uh, it's I, nice to be mad with power. I guess uh, you're. What, I, what I'm trying to say is that my reading has stepped up, and a bit like music, it's really easy to find something that's seven out of ten, like is good and not great, and just, or not that it's not great, but just doesn't connect with you in a in a meaningful way. So you put it down, and you think that was fun, and then forget about it immediately. Yes, I, I agree. There's there's a lot of kind of good books but i I think this this, i think this is comfortably a great book it's skirting into great for me and i think yeah if it continues on this trajectory this this could be one of my when i look back on as a as a quite a fave yes i agree and i think this is the first book i've read this year that i'm like i think this could be a best of 2022 kind of contender so I'm going to start writing that list now so it's not a mad dash at the start of December. I read um, Assassination again recently. Oh, Carl Stark, Sarah Henderson. 
because it's great yeah yeah and yeah. uh again it, it it's not it's not even remotely a similar comic but just had that same vibe of being both violent and serious and like goofy and weird and playing both off against each other just really perfectly they, they sit together so nicely i agree i, I think yeah, whilst being completely different, they do have a kind of similar feel at times. Just a vibe thing, man. When are we going to get Kyle Stark's superhero book? It'd be probably just another assassin, right? Assassin. He, he is a little bit assassin heavy. I would read a Fuck Tarkington solo book. Oh, no, Fuck Tarkington and Dave solo book. Is it a solo book if there's two of them? Yeah, yes. <laughs> i'd read that book but yeah fair, fair point um so i guess this is the end of this episode i guess this is the end <laughs> um we have been will and zach collectively bigger than capes and will continue to be i guess we'll be back next week i don't really i don't really know what the schedule is at this point but um remember the comics are <laughs> Bigger than capes. Bigger than capes. No, nowhere near. No, not even close. <laughs>